Welcome back to the podcast of ESNA Science and Higher Education Policy. This is podcast number eight. And today we are here with Monsieur Martin Pigeon, who is a researcher and campaigner for the NGO Corporate Europe Observatory in Brussels. When we are focusing on research funding, actually the third biggest EU budget after agriculture and structural funds, we have a little headache here. Uh, the current European Framework Programme for Science, Research and Higher Education, FP8, or as it has been named, Horizon 2020, runs since 2014 and ends in 2020. This summer, the Commission produced an interim evaluation of Horizon 2020 for the European Parliament. The head of this Commission, MEP Soledad Ruiz Cabezón, criticized that big corporations are grabbing too much of these public research funds. Monsieur Pigeon, how is that? The detail of this comment, I think she's referring to the fact that the Commission has kept complaining about the need to introduce a consistent and transparent accounting method to evaluate big companies' contribution. You might know that in, in particular in research public-private partnerships, this contribution is made in kind whereas the EU is contributing actual money. Basically, for example, if you take the EME, the Innovative Medicines Partnership, so the total budget is 3 billion, but actually only 1.6 billion is actual money, and it's EU money, it's public taxpayers' money. The rest is an in-kind contribution of industry. So this is basically a declaration by companies that says that this is what it costs them. But is there any way to double-check whether this is true or not? That's an open question, and I understand that the, the Commission still hasn't solved this problem. Public-private partnerships, in short PPPs, the use of private innovation and finance in public infrastructure, is an old tradition experiencing a new revival. What role do PPPs play in the European Union's research policy? If you look at the general share of public-private partnerships in the research funding programs, there you can see that, for example, in FP7, the share of the budget for research programs for, for public-private partnerships was 9.1%. In Horizon 2020, it's more than doubled. It's now 21.5% for PPPs. But what you see that, uh, is that at the same time, the general share for research and development in the EU has not increased at all. I cannot prove it, but my uh, working hypothesis is that this has been replacing research capacities instead of adding to that. And this is consistent with some of our findings, again, on the EME, for example, in the pharmaceutical sector. It's a tremendous cost saving as EME projects replicate work that individual companies would have had to do anyway. So the EU is effectively subsidizing these corporations? Exactly. That there is this general uh, incentive by EU and also actually national research policies to establish uh, public-private partnerships between uh, universities and businesses. That is used as an excuse to cut public research budgets at first. It undermines the freedom of and independence of public researchers because that's a very serious problem that typically when you have a research that is funded by companies, it doesn't necessarily mean that the research is bad, but it, very often it does mean that there is a control over the publication. And so you introduce a strong bias in terms of what kind of results get published or not. And so in this way, you're really polluting the scientific literature in a systematic manner. 
Adding to the influence of corporations in the process of designing EU research policy, one of your recent reports, uh, Monsieur Pigeon, talks about conflicts of interest. The EU needs external experts, of course, but aren't they impartial? So it was started in 2004 or 5 with things called the European Technology Platforms. So these ETPs, they gather all um, you know, relevant uh, industry players in one given field. This is then used as advice by the European Commission to organize its own call for proposals after all. And of course, the same companies then apply to the research, to the research funding. So you have this structural conflict of interest here because the same companies who are advising the European Commission in what to fund in terms of research projects will then apply to the open calls to uh, proposals. But of course, if you have influenced the Commission thinking in the very way about how the uh, tender should be organized and be about, that gives you a bit of a head uh, compared to the others. The fact that the EU is forcing PPPs on research centers and public universities means that the more, the more you go, the more it becomes difficult to find an expert who is free, basically, financially from, from industry, from, the, from a regulated company. In your view, has Horizon 2020 been an improvement on FP7? And will the European research funding after 2020 eliminate some of the problems? Just as a simple observation is that Horizon 2020 was already a very much larger program than FP7. FP7, if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere around 40 million euros. Billion euros, sorry. Horizon 2020 is 70, and now the figures that you read for FP9, you, you read commonly calls by the European Parliament, for example, for 120 billion euros. So this is going to be a major, major battle for subsidies. And the problem with subsidies is that typically the biggest players are better at getting them. So, to conclude, can we really go on trusting the public institutions, the European Commission, to manage research in the interest of the public? It is very depressing, actually, to be living in an age where we know that, you know, if you look at things like climate change, if you look at things like the biodiversity collapse, or the rise of antimicrobial resistance, like three small issues, each, you know, threatening the survival of humanity itself. And then you still find that basically the EU research funding program, which, which, I mean, if there is a policy that could be used to tackle these issues, or at least to try to, that's the one, that's this one. And you see that big business is still so actively defending a subsidiation uh, approach that basically this money should be used for them, and that's it. So to see that, to see such an irresponsible behavior in such a time is very depressing, and I hope that people in the EU bubble here wake up a bit, because this is not uh, a time for business as usual, if I may say. Uh, it wasn't already in 2011, it's even worse now. There's very, very little democratic participation in these, in these programs. People tend to think that it is, you know, too, it's too technical, it's for scientists anyway, it's not political, and it's a huge mistake. Deciding in what kind of knowledge production we want to invest as a society is an immensely political question. Monsieur Pigeon, thank you very much for joining us. My name is Tino Brömme, and we will be back soon with another podcast on higher education and science policy here at Esna Media.